You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Happy Father's Day. Good morning, church. How are you? Everybody good? Look good? Gentlemen, you look fantastic. Fathers, happy Father's Day. Uh, from a father to fathers. Happy Father's Day. Okay, that joke gets played out way too much. Father, Father, how are you? Um, we are, this Father's Day, we're still working right in the middle of the series in Galatians. You guys know this. We're in a series called Set Free where we've been looking at what does it mean? Because we hear this all the time from Jesus. That in, in the gospel, the news is that in Jesus you've been set free from this present evil age. You've been set free to follow Jesus. You've been set free to participate in the way God does things in the world. We are set free. So we've been looking through what this means. Last week, we had the heavy hitter, Dr. Andrew Street, come in and, and, and just lay it down for us. It was wonderful. It was so wonderful what he preached. He preached about the faithfulness of the Messiah. You remember this? His faithful life, death, and resurrection. How, how is the instrument by which we are justified, made right with God, and made members of his family. Do you remember this? This week, we're going we're gonna to pick that up, and we're going to keep moving with it. We're going to unload it a little bit more, and we're going to wonder what it looks like then to be God's children, Christ's very own kids. What does it mean? What does it look like to be God's children? And we're going we're gonna to consider specifically what it means to be set free to be Jesus' own, Christ's own. When we get baptized and we, uh, I, I anoint the children, we chrismate them, it just happens. So this should be fresh in our memory. We say you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, marked as Christ's own forever. So if you've been baptized, you've been marked as Jesus's very own child. What an interesting image to, to bear this Father's Day, that we are his own kids. What does it mean? How do we live into that reality? And how relevant, particularly, is this kind of concept in uh, the headlines we've got today with the attacks going on in Orlando those tragic and horrific attacks, the disheartening, just bewildering political climate, what in the world is happening with our politics, the persecution of Christians globally, the flooding in central Texas and the victims. Man, it's just going crazy. The plight of our own neighbors on our streets, our families, the suffering that, that I even hear about, the abuse, the neglect, the drug use, there's so much underway. Can you imagine a people, a neighborhood that would bear and really understand and take hold of the fact that you are Christ's own forever and set free from these things, from, from suffering without hope. You're set free from the abuse and the neglect and the isolation, but you're set free as Christ's own uh, to be full of hope and full of life, to live as Jesus' own children in his family. Our tendency, I think, when we see all this stuff on the news is, well, mine at least is like, man, this is overwhelming. I got to like turn this off. I can't, I can't handle all that I see some of the time. Anybody else relate to that? It's just overwhelming. I was just the other day talking to Mateo about World War II. He's asking me, so dad, how is it that so many people were killed? And who, who let this happen? And I was just telling him stories about how people were killed, and it was just overwhelming. And it reminded me, like, this is how I feel sometimes looking at our headlines these days. So in this present evil age, this is the age we live in. In this present evil age, Paul has something very different for us this morning. In his message in the Galatians, this is what Paul says. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father. 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. What, a, what an incredible message to say amidst a present evil age just like ours. He goes on in verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of God, our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. What an incredibly subversive thing to say in, in the face of headlines and times and the present evil age. Grace, peace to you. Set free from this evil age. You are. What world is Paul living in? Who can write a letter like that and actually mean it? What kind of reality must be bouncing around in his head and in his heart? What kind of identity must he have that he's trying to also express to us that we also share? What is going on with Paul's writing? Well, look at, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to jump into chapter 3. We're beginning at verse 23 in our section this morning. And I want to read for you just the first few verses of this section. Can I do that? Now, before faith came, Paul says, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. Now, there's, there's, we have to kind of read Galatians in context. There's a lot at play here. And I know the Galatians is just really dense and really loaded. I'm going to try and walk you through some of the major themes that we've got to have in mind as we continue to read Paul. He introduces this reality of God's promise to Abraham. We, we read this before in chapter 3, verse 8. He mentions this promise that he made to Abraham to bless the whole world from Abraham, this covenant that he made with Abraham, that his family, through him and his family, he would bless the entire world. That is a huge theme that's happening in Galatians that we should keep in mind. But this, this plan of God to bless the world has been frustrated and clogged up and impeded by an unfaithful Israel. A people who don't participate with this blessing of God. Israel. This is the storyline kind of playing in the background. You with me? Everybody with me on this? So God sees the suffering in the world. He sees what we see in the headlines. His heart breaks even all the more for what's happening. And he's determined to bring about blessing and goodness. But something is getting in the way. It's this unfaithful people, Israel. It's us, his own people. And Paul says to this, Christ has set you free from getting in the way of God's blessing to the world. From clogging up the goodness of God from impeding the kingdom. He has set you free from this evil age. And the problem, I think, is that sounds fantastic and that's like from the Bible and we're all like, yay, Sean, this is great, right? But the problem is this, is, is that we don't really get what, what the problem is, do we? We don't see our participation in the problem. We think the problem is kind of like out there in TV land or on the news or on Twitter or something. But we don't, we don't think, oh, well, I'm part of the problem here. We don't see how really bad things are. Even though we see some really bad things, things are probably much worse than we think. And even worse news is that we're, we're likely part of that problem. We don't see how bad things are with us. We go along medicating ourselves, convincing ourselves that we're part of that upper echelon of humanity because we go to church on Sunday. And we don't participate in the unhealth and the evil and the wickedness that's happening in the world, the darkness in the world. Well, thank goodness for the Torah, the law. To actually point out, no, you're all indicted. You're all guilty. There's not one of you who is righteous. Not one of you has, has actually not impeded the work of God. You've actually stand in the way of God's goodness and his blessing to the world. The law has pointed that out very clearly to us. It has revealed our unfaithfulness to God and his good plan to call us to live holy lives in the world. The law shows us this. It exposes that to us. But Paul says this in verse 23, but before faith came, before faith, 
This is the first step in, I think, Paul's logic in this passage. Before faith, this first step in the story, before the faithful Israelites came. Not before we actually got our act together and started really believing. Before the faithful Israelite came, it was just the law that pointed out our deep and condemning flaws, that we were participants in this evil age. And like a babysitter, the law, the Torah, it was intended to help keep God's people on track, to show them, no, this is what it looks like when you're unfaithful. So therefore, participate with the way God's doing things and stay on track. This was the disciplinarian that Paul speaks about. That is the law. Until there is a time, until the time came, like it just mentioned, before faith came, it's pointing to this time that's coming. Until this time that has come, this appointed time when God's faithful Israelite, his faithful one, would be unveiled, would be revealed to us. The one who has kept the law perfectly. This one. Who is this faithful one? Verse 24, just hands it to us on a silver platter. The Messiah. Can I read the next verse for us? But now faith has come. The faithful one has come. Andrew talked about kind of the, some of the dilemma of how this is translated. It doesn't really kind of unload the meaning, the depth of what it's getting at. But what, what we, can read it, we can read it this way. But now that the faithful one has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. Verse 26, for in Christ Jesus, see the connection? Now that faith has come, in Christ Jesus, there's the faithful one, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourselves with Christ. The time has come. The the time has kind of changed. We live in a new time because of Christ. In Jesus, you and I are no longer strangers. We're no longer the clog and the artery of God's goodness in the world. We're actually God's children, participants in his kingdom in Jesus. And it's kind of like... um, it's kind of like when, when we hit, uh, what is it called, daylight savings time, or I don't know if it's spring forward, spring backwards. None of us ever really get that, right? We're all confused about that. It's kind of like when we move our clocks back for daylight savings time, and then there's those few of us who are like, haven't done that, and so we show up to church later, or like super early or something, I don't know. Um, and there's that confusion, that kind of mayhem about like, what time is it? Somebody turn on their iPhone, let that thing sync up, because we're just totally lost in time. Maybe we sleep in, or maybe we show up super early. This is kind of what it's like. Now that Jesus has come, the rest of the world has no idea what time it actually is. They think it's still the age before faith, when we're all still in this present evil age. But now that Christ has come, we all live in a different time zone altogether. We now live in the age to come. We all live now in the faithful one, the true Israelite, Jesus Christ. We've been baptized into that time zone. Does that make sense? And so we've got to live not in the present evil age anymore. We've been set free from this. But now as Christ's own, we are living in the age to come. We're living in kingdom standard time. Does that make sense? The world has no idea what time it actually is. And so the church has got to faithfully announce in itself every Sunday, everywhere that it goes, what time it is. That's why the liturgical calendar is so important. Because in that way we get to announce it's not just the middle of summer, people. No, this is ordinary time. This is time to grow in faith. And you know, there will be a time that comes at the end of ordinary time that we're going to celebrate Christ our King and then Advent. And then we take the whole thing through again and we tell the story of what time it actually is. What a crazy confrontational thing to do to tell the rest of the world. You don't know what time it is, but we do and we'll tell you. That's what the church does. 
Now that faith has come. Now that we're in that time zone. That KST, Kingdom Standard Time. I'm the first one to ever say that, right? I didn't think about that. It's not written here, but it just made sense. Stick to the script, Sean. We are now in Kingdom Standard Time. We are set free. So our identity is, is not in this present evil age, but we're Christ's own. The night of death and sin and brokenness and isolation and violence, that night has passed in Jesus. And the son of the faithful one, the light of Christ, has risen upon us. And now we live as the new humanity, those participants that Paul described. All of those distinctions you had in the past, Jew and Gentile and male and female, all, this, there's a different time at hand now. And we are all now Christ's own, his own kids. Those distinctions, they melt away. That's what time it is. Y'all with me on that? Amen? So what is this new humanity, this new time zone, this community of God's children, what does that actually look like? Let me read exactly what Paul says for you in verse 28. This is, this is like one of the most, um, this is the most beautiful passages in all scripture. I think it has some really meaty implications for us. So listen to this. Now that Christ has come, now that we're in Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise that God made to Abraham, that he would, through his family, bless the entire world. It doesn't mean that we're all hermaphrodites now and there's not male and female. No, it means that we have identity now. You could still be a, 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 from Greece. You know. Can you imagine at the time hearing, there's no more Jew or Greek? There's no more slave or free in a time where there was slavery? There's no more upper class, middle class maybe, or lower class? There's no more like Mexican and white people kind of stuff? Well, we're not saying that you, we're all like, a, we've been cleansed of that identity. But in fact, there's an identity now that trumps all other identities. There's identity now in which we live that makes sense of everything else about our lives. Those things do not determine who we are and how we relate to one another as much as being in Christ determines who we are and how we relate to one another. We know what time it is. We know the reality in which we live. We're all made one. We're all made one as God's kids in the Messiah. And all of these divisions, they're overcome. They don't stand as obstacles between us anymore. Those, those distinctions that used to, to govern our lives and direct kind of the decisions we made that, that, that would influence our motivations and our desires, those things don't have those, the power that they used to anymore because now we know we are... We belong to the faithful Israelite, the Messiah, the Christ who has come for us. And so now we are set free as his own. Not as Jew or Greek or slave or free or male and female. Not as just those things, but we're actually set free as Christ's own to participate in God's goodness in the world. To do the things the way he does them. Not the way the world does things or the way things work in the world. Let's be realistic. No, 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 no. What time it is and the reality we live in is we are now children of God set free as Christ's own to participate in God's kingdom. His way of doing things, period. And our identities belong to him. In our baptism, I know this is super annoying, but you guys smile after I do it. When I spray all of you with holy water, what do I say to you? Do you remember? You are not your own. Remember your baptism. You are not your own. You are Christ's. You belong to him. Can you imagine what this could mean for us if we, that really sunk in deeper and deeper every day? We're not our own. We're not, 
We're not the distinctions that we've made up in the past in our minds that keep us separated. But now that we are children of God, we are marked as Christ's own forever. And when we put our trust in this identity, when we respond to this, and you've got to actively respond to this. It's not something you just inherit and then you just kind of go on autopilot the rest of your life. You've always got to respond to this true identity that has been given to you in Jesus. And when you participate with the truth about who you are in Jesus, you're set free to live a totally different kind of life. This, this summer or this, this year, we've been looking at, for instance, as a church, what it looks like to be the family of God. You guys know this? We've been looking at the year of the family, okay? If you don't know this, welcome to 2016. We've been looking at what it means to be the family of God this year. And Paul's vision, I think, for the family of God is really helpful for us. It influences our sense of identity and how we live together as the church family of God. And it's tearing down those walls, those things that we thought would stand between us. It makes the us and them kind of dynamic. And even in this room, there's no more us and them, Paul is saying. What wall can we build up that the cross has not already overcome? Jesus has overcome death itself. What distinction can you and I come up with that would separate you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ? There's no us in them. The religious, the unholy, the, the steady churchgoers and the folks who just kind of fall in every once in a while. There's no us in them. The deserving, the undeserving, the rich, the poor, your backgrounds, your stories, what's happened to you in your life, what you think identifies you. There's no more us and them in Christ. We are his own, set free to live as his children together as a family. So whether it's ethnic or social or financial or political, can I say this? You are not the Republican Party's person. You are not the Democratic Party's person. You don't have to tote the party line. In fact, let me just be straight up. You don't tote any other party line as a Christian other than the kingdom of God. That is the politic that we operate with. Take it easy now. Let's not start a riot. Everybody okay? We're good? Again, I'm departing from the script again. I'm getting in trouble here, but this is good. But we just got to say this, that, that, just a perfect example. I see all the time, none of you guys, but just people all over Facebook and crazy people on, on, all over the world, people who call themselves Christians and curse what happened in, uh, the, the, and, and bless the attackers in Orlando. You got to be kidding me. Whose politic are you preaching? And when we look at these candidates, if for you looking at the, the election, it's like, this is a no-brainer. I know who to vote for. You, I don't think your Christian identity is really sunk in. There's a deep incompatibility with who we have to choose from and the way God does things in the world, the way God talks, the way God sounds, the way he does power, the way he lays down his life for the sake of others, the way that he tears down walls and not builds them up. This is the God that we serve. And this is the politic of the kingdom of God that as his kids, we have to participate in if we're going to be true and honest with who we really are as, as God's family, as his children, as Christ's own. Amen? Amen? We gain entrance into this family not because we deserve it or we've earned it by some Christian kind of ritual or something that we do. We gain entrance into this family that we do not deserve to be a part of only through the accomplishments of Jesus. And it's his accomplishments, his way of doing things that continues to determine the shape and the rhythm and the practices of our lives. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It means to mimic him, to do what he does now that we've entered into his family. And if you've been baptized, you wear a badge and it says this, I am Christ's own forever. That's who I belong to. Nobody else. We're set free from the present evil age that lays claim on us and says, no, this is how we do things. And we get to resist as Christ's body and say, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't know what time it is. And you also don't know what this badge says on me through my baptism that I am Christ's own forever. 
So Resurrection, I just want to encourage you. I'm actually really, really proud. When I see you guys out and about, I see you, we, I have experiences with you guys all over different places. I just want to say this, in everything I'm experiencing, I couldn't be more proud of the people of God that you have exhibited and practiced and been in the world. In the face of all of the family challenges that I know are going around in our church, there's some serious challenges in our families. I've seen you all practice the kingdom and put your hope and put your trust. Despite those challenges, you put your trust in God's way of doing things. You put your trust in the faithful one to deliver us and protect us and keep us safe. Um, I've seen how all of you have responded to what happened in Orlando. Man, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of our people responding with mercy and compassion and prayer and blessing. I can't tell you how proud of you guys I am. That, I think that's what it looks like when you participate as Christ's own, as his own family. I see the way that you guys invite each other into your home. You're like serial hospitality freaks. You people invite others into your home. Maybe sometimes people you don't even know very well. You cook meals for them. You, you sign up to help with disaster relief efforts. You're getting, people are getting trained to live lives for the sake of others. I can't tell you how proud to see that I am. It's so encouraging for me. The way that so many of you serve our children in the nursery, the way that our family is not like thrown off when a baby cries, but we welcome the child because Christ said, look, whoever welcomes this child welcomes me. Let the children come to me. You're, you're an amazing family for these kids and you've served them so well. The way you serve each other so selflessly, you are living as if there aren't distinctions between you. And it's encouraging. It's wonderful to see God's family at work. And can I keep going? You're a generous bunch. You people are really, really generous. I see the way that you give, but I also see the way you serve others so selflessly and full of joy. Not out of a place of bitterness, but at a place of sincere joy. During the peace, I can't get you guys to sit down. You love each other. And it doesn't stop there. You go out into the neighborhood and cause havoc by sharing the peace of Christ there as well. This is the way the kingdom of God works. This is the way God's people do things. I see how every week when we come to our knees and confess sin, there's actually a genuine sense of confession in the room. And when we hear the words of forgiveness, it means something because we've truly confessed and because we've placed our trust in the Messiah. We are Christ's own. I see every week when we come to, or when we, on occasion, we come to the baptismal font, the way we celebrate um, welcoming people into the family of God. And every week when we come to the table to receive this living, real presence of Christ in our lives, you know that you're heirs of the kingdom. You know that you're receiving not just some wafer or some, some little drop of wine, but you're actually entering into the life of God. And I can see it in your lives. And it's encouraging. Our community's clock, in other words, has been set to the kingdom, to the resurrection. The sun has risen, and you guys are participating in it. And since it's Father's Day, men, I see the way that you father your children, and I'm encouraged. You guys know that your job is to mimic our Heavenly Father, that these kids are not your own, but they're His, and you are only stewards of these children. Men, I'm so encouraged to see the way that you raise your kids. Spiritual fathers, people who maybe don't have biological kids at that font, you are made fathers. And I see the way that you guys, who don't even have kids per se, have children in the family of God. And I see the way that you participate in their lives. It's encouraging. So keep it up, men. Let's continue as we come to the altar this morning to resist living in the present evil age, but continue to live the way that you guys are already living so well as Christ's own family. Let's continue to, to, 
obstruct and get in the way and resist those cultural norms that try to build up those differences between us and act in ways that don't realize that the Christ has come and set things new and right with, among us. The pressures of the world that, that want to force us to live in fear, we have hope, we have joy in Jesus, the risen one. And we know what time it is. This morning, let's remember, church, and continue to remember as we continue, that we are set free to be Christ's own. And that determines the way we live. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's take a moment of silence to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to remind us whose we are. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.